in a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there, and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about Anthropopagus the Beast, which is uh, was originally made in 1980 by uh, Joe D'Amato. Anthropopagus the Beast marked, surprisingly, uh, due to some of its scenes anyway, a grasp at respectability for its director. Uh, before this 1980s effort, uh, which was co-written by the man playing the monster himself, George Eastman, whose real name is Luigi Monfari, um, the director was known for bizarre mixes of sex and violence. Films like Emmanuel in America and Erotic Nights of the Living Dead, which doesn't sound that erotic to me. Um, it, it was very, it was with a heavy hand in exploitation. And... Um, this horror, which is aimed at the foreign markets rather than its native Italy, was a combination of cannibalism, which, which the title means in Greek, uh, also some Italian giallo, and America slasher also is there as well. But it is the unusual extremes that the film goes to in its last reel, which really sets this apart and enters it into the realms of infamy and onto the Video Nasties list. Our story follows a group of tourists who arrive on a small Greek island. Um, They find it completely deserted, and it seems that the only person that's still alive is a blind girl. Doesn't know what had happened to the rest of the island's town, but is terrified of a man who she describes as smelling of blood. As members of the group disappear, or are brutally and mercilessly murdered by this mysterious man uh, in various uh, parts around this Greek island, uh, the survivors search for clues as to what's going on. They find a diary inside an abandoned mansion which tells a man who was shipwrecked to his wife and child. In order to survive, the man was forced to eat his dead family. This drove him insane and he went on to slaughter the rest of the island's inhabitants. The disfigured cannibalistic killer goes by the name of Nikos Kroamlis and is known as the Anthropomorgus Beast. He's our son. He's dead. Where's that? 
dead. He's me. I will survive through him. I won't let you touch him. He's our son. I think, uh, well, first off, I'd say that there's, there's 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 elements to the story which are obviously, uh, well, you know, just just grounded in, in quite classic slasher. I mean, we have a we have a monster on the island, and uh, it makes it very clear quite early on that for whatever reason, there's no real signs of communication, and the telegraph, which is the easiest way to get a message out there, it's been destroyed. Early on in the film, it seems to be more interested in parodying other horrors. In particular, at the beginning, Jaws in its gory opening, as our monster seems able to swim underwater for an extended period of time, and then pull somebody into the depths. A machete to the head is a closing shot on that one. Then there is a sl- there is slow burn hour, as our characters uh, basically uh, introduced and then dispatched. It gives nods to films like Bay of Blood. It also has some more traditional Jello elements. In particular, False Scare, where that blind girl I mentioned before leaps from a vat of wine and swings wildly in the air, trying to cut who she believes is the monster with a knife. Um, it's a big dramatic element, sight, and it has, uh, has nods towards uh, Argento, who is a director we'll talk about a few times on the podcast as we go along. Um, what I'll say now is that um, the night the Video Nasties podcast is a little bit spoiler heavy at points, uh, mainly because to be able to discuss why this film was banned, which I think we should, I need to be able to uh, describe the closing 20 minutes. So with that in mind, if you haven't seen it and don't want it spoiled, then possibly, you know, listen to be warned. It's these last 20 minutes when things really set the film apart. Um, before then, it's quite by the numbers, slasher horror. I mean, I know there's different elements that I mentioned, but there's not a lot really that's particularly shocking. Um, there's, you know, severed heads and various bits and bobs. There's a there's a, a guy getting his throat bitten out, which, in fairness, is, is enough to kind of, you know, would have caused a future bit of trouble back in the day, but uh, nothing as bad as the last two scenes, two scenes of cannibalism which was a bugbear for um, for the police at the time. One is actually staggeringly quite repulsive. The, the killer strangles a pregnant woman while pulling the fetus from her womb and then devouring it. Now, and in reality, obviously, <laughs> it was a fetus that, of a skinned rabbit that was cut... No, rather than a fetus, it was a skinned rabbit, I should say, that was covered in fake blood. The scene led to the film being mentioned on BBC News at 10, describing it as snuff. Um, these days, I think you would be, uh, you, you would probably see it for what it is, rather over-the-top fake gore. Um, and then there's the finale of a man eating his own intestines, which is our, our, our monster, completely, completely mad, just tearing at his own stomach, which has been cut, and then pulling his intestines out and eating them. Um, 
Oleg doesn't have that much of a shock, but uh, but at this stage, you know, it's not as shocking as the scene that's gone before. It's kind of a second climax to the film. But by this stage, the constant build-up and like the le- heaving levels of hysteria and uh, the sheer goal of a man trying to eat an aborted baby probably were enough to get the uh, the right payoff. And uh, it's not just it's it's a succession of quite unpleasant things and. Um, you normally expect the blind girl to make it, for example, but uh, not Joe Damato. He's uh, he's very keen on, uh, on 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 particularly with this film to kind of set itself apart, and it's it it, it is uh, an unpleasant moment when uh, when our when our victim is devoured, and that kind of kicks in this kind of tense moment. Um, I think basically once they get into this mansion, it, the story kind of basically kicks into drive, and he. And Jamato desperately trying to keep it focused and funnels it towards the end. Um, it's a far better last 30 minutes than his first hour, and I think that's probably fair, but that's true of a lot of slashes from this time. The effects are okay for a low budget, although the killer looks like he's been dipped in clay by his face, and the fake blood has that strangely vivid late 70s theatrical blood feel to it, which uh, takes a lot of people out of the um, of the story, I always think. I think it's to Damato's credit, though, that he has patience in his direction. Um, it may feel slow to modern viewers, but it is a satisfying build-up, even if it wasn't the best-paced film. The scene at the end as the killer climbs up uh, to kill our heroine, although um, is, is, is actually quite tense with the, those rope hanging from a leg, and uh, a monster reaching up to try and grasp it. Um, I mean, there were a couple of shock deaths marked out as well, and it, you know, it's it's more than just a low-grade Italian gore fest. I think that's fair to say, although it does probably sit well amongst those kind of films simply for its exploitation feel. Um, fans of unusual soundtracks will also marvel at uh, Marcel Gamboni's uh, synth score. Uh, which is, to be fair, can kind of sit along some good Italian soundtracks from that time. Um, it's quite because it's synth. It sounds odd when it goes discordant and a little bit off-piste. So I think listeners can be a bit surprised by that. But at the same time, you know, it evokes the period well. Uh, it evokes Greece well with its, um, you know, with its little little bars early on to try and get you in the mood for being being on a Greek island. And then it finally kind of cranks up to its um, to quite levels of quite high hysteria. Um, I think it's a personal taste thing. I mean, obviously, you know, synth scores are a, a long way out of fashion now, but uh, it adds a, an unusual feel and, and does kind of plate this very solely in the uh, in Euro horror kinds of uh, exploitation territory. Um, you know, I think obviously Goblin are the uh, the, the people that we, we always turn to and say that are the best for this kind of thing. But uh, I, th- I think this particular soundtrack can sit amongst some of some of their pieces as well. Our female star is Tisa Farrow. I mean, she's an interesting person herself. Um, Mia Farrow's sister. She appeared in Woody Allen's Manhattan. Although she's best known, sadly, for um, Zombie Flesh Eaters, which is a film we'll be discussing in, uh, well, in the future. Um, 
Farrow uh, was basically trying to supplement her living by doing quite uh, quite well exploitation films really she was trying to get some serious films in but also obviously trying to work as well she actually gave up acting in the 1980s and went on to her career as a nurse at Rutland Regional Medical Centre in uh, Rutland, Vermont um, in terms of the film and its um, and how it was received in the UK. Um, an uncut VHS was released by Video Films Promotions in uh, the February of 1983, and it was listed as a video nasty in November 83, uh, and stayed there throughout the scare. Um, a cut VHS version was then released to a video shack label to try and uh, exploit its status but uh, it didn't actually sell that well considering so it was um, so it actually hilariously the cut versions more of a rarity for, for uh, collectors of the nasties than the, uh, the uncut version there is another uh, version which is the USR rated version which is called the Grim Reaper now this was passed by the BBFC in 2002 uh, but it's heavily cut it features almost none of the uh, the munching, as it were, and so therefore probably not really worthy of your time. Um, if if you're gonna go for a go go for the cut, the uncut version. So where does this film sit uh, with Joe D'Amato's um, oeuvre? Um, oh, it's a bit difficult to say really. Um, he 1981 he made uh, a pornography film called Porno Holocaust which was directed by himself and starred again George Eastman and it features a similar plot having a group of people stranded on a deserted island with a killer uh, D'Amato followed up this movie actually with a kind of pseudo sequel Absurd back in 1981 it's also known as Zombie 6 Monster Hunter um, I mean that's noticeable because Aprophagus was uh, released as its sequel Zombie 7, Grim Reaper. Uh, none of those, neither of those films actually have anything to do with Zombie, which is the Italian title for Dawn of the Dead, the George A. Romero film. Um, but uh, this doesn't stop people cranking out fake sequels to them. Um, trivia wise, uh, according to D'Amato, uh, some of the heads and the bones in the catacombs were plastic imitations. Um, once they collected the bones to uh, for the, after the scenes be shot, the crew actually took some real bones, and um, since the master didn't dare return them, he actually let them take, in his own words, a pilgrimage to his house. Now I don't know how true that is. Um, you know, obviously a lot of a lot. Of, I mean, in the intro episode we talked about so much about you know trying to build up mythology, and trying to make stories around this and. You know how you sell the film is almost as important as how you um, put it all together in the first place. I think uh, this is, is is an equal example of that. What I would say in terms of if you do want to watch it, it's probably best to be seen in its original Italian, as there is a the dubbing is extremely heavily handed, uh, as you can tell from the clips that I've been playing here. Um, it's a difficult stomach 
the stomach. <laughs> it's a difficult film to stomach at the best of times without having, you know, this kind of horrible faux dubbing trying to, in these lengthy scenes of exposition, as they, they don't really learn much about the characters. They just kind of get set up for the slaughter. Eddie, I don't feel so good. You'll be okay when we get off. What is it, Maggie? Nothing. It's almost over. Like they say, I think the kid's got football boots and he uses them to take dancing lessons. <laughs> Wait till we get out of the water, see how he likes that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if there'd been any danger, the doctor wouldn't have let her take the trip. Anyway, we'll just be making little hops from island to island. I wouldn't count on that too much. You know what Alan said. We paid rent on that thing for a month and should get all the use of it we can and see the whole archipelago. Yeah, but with Maggie in her condition, we can't... That just really... means you'll leave Maggie and me off at the first island and pick us up on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, honey. Sit down. Yeah, I suppose I should. Oh, oh, me. oh, hell. I'm so sorry. It's nothing, really. Please let me buy you another one. Oh, I no. mean, it's the very least I can do. My husband does something like that at least once a day. I'm really sorry. No, honestly, there's no problem. But excuse me, I thought I heard you talking about a boat. And indeed, <clears throat> some of the characters are quite annoying. Um, uh, the tarot reader in particular, is uh, who is also seen in Cannibal Ferox, is especially, uh, has as, as, you know, with the... You know, doing the old classic prophecies of doom kind of stuff. Um, it's not done in the best way, and uh, that is quite frustrating. I think it's fair to say. As I said, Gut Muncher alone would have got this film on the ban list uh, in the early '80s, but it's the eating a baby eating scene which was the thing that really pushed it over the edge. At its heart, though, it's one of Joe D'Amato's best films. Now, I know a lot of people will say, "Well, that's not saying very much," but in my feeling. Um, it's a re it's you know it's a reasonably met well made horror with a few good strong frights in there, and it's relatively um, <coughs> intriguing. Um, I can imagine, particularly with that news of ten piece, imagine just imagine the incredible um, hype, and you know. Say, describing like snuff films being on sale in the UK I don't know how disappointed you would be after seeing something like that afterwards and kind of realising that it's obviously just a low budget Italian film but um, I suppose for a lot of people at the time being told it and then you know it's, it's just the myth at that stage isn't it it's the mythology of the film that becomes so much more Um. It did lead to a German remake directed by Andreas Schanas and entitled Apropagus 2000. Uh, it was released in 1999, which was unsurprising because of the title. Uh, but, you know, I would say stick to the original because, to be honest with you, it is the best. But, girl, why did you stop? I guess because the cards hadn't answered. And I believe in these cards. And when I don't see clearly, I can't just invent things. Carol. If the cards didn't answer you, why worry so much? If you ask the cards about the future and don't get any answer, that means there is no future for the person who's asking them. Hey, where are we going to eat, you guys? Right, and um, 
got a little bit of feedback for you. I know it's, you know, it's early to be getting feedback, and that's, I'm very grateful for that. Um, well, the first bit is from uh, George Woodbridge, who uh, writes for a website called 365horror.co.uk, and he directs me to his review. Uh, Joe D'Amato's classic gore fest, an infamous video nasty of the UK 80s witch hunt, easily still stands up today as a fine film with some nice artistic camera work, a great cast, an impressive soundtrack. All this in a cracking plot with some real pure gore. A group of friends head out to a remote Mediterranean island searching for sun, sand and relaxation. What they find is a homicidal maniac who has eaten the local village and is hungry for more. The beast is a giant of a man who slowly hunts down the holidaymakers to rip, tear and devour the flesh. George Eastman takes the lead role as the monster, real screen presence and a real evil villain. Tisa Farrow, Jarena Grandi and Savaro Vallone all offer great performances too, but it's the story and direction which really makes this film stand out. It's atmospheric and beautifully filmed, really showing the Med as a great place to visit, apart from the crazy psycho that is. Eastman and Joe D co-wrote and truly came up with an outstanding plot, showing the Beast as something that is not just a weirdo who kills people, he picks them off, stores them for later, prowls and waits like an animal. There's no real motive or sacrifices for, for reasons for his cannibalism, just an animal urge. Um, I mean, it's a fantastic... I mean, if you want to check that out, it's, it's a review from his... Um, his website 365horror.co.uk and there he spent an entire year doing a movie a day and there uh, you kind of see how, how how that evolves as a website there's lots of lots of different bits of his work on there so it's really good um as well uh, we've had some feedback uh, not in terms of uh, this film but generally about the nasties it's a um i got tweeted by a gentleman called at grindhouse dave and uh, Dave is uh, has a website called BeardyFreak.com where he reviews lots of different films that he's into from a variety of different uh, genres. Um, he was talking to me about um, the the video nasties initially. He, he said, uh, you know, I mean, I, I spoke about the legal point of view, but he thought he 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 liked uh, he wanted me to point out because apparently a lot of podcasts and various websites, particularly in America, get this wrong. The films themselves aren't contraband. Um, it's not illegal to own them. It's just illegal to sell them, and I think that's fair. I think I, I mentioned the fact you were done for distribution uh, and, and selling, but uh, I don't think I was clear exactly where the line drew in terms of legality. You know, it's it's legal to buy it, but it is illegal to sell it. I think it's fair to say um, that kind of still holds true to a point. You can't sell a video in the UK uh, without a rating from the the BBFC. So, in a sense, that's still the case. Um, I'll do a link in the notes for this podcast to um, an article that he wrote on his website um, speaking about early, uh, 1993 when he himself uh, was arrested uh, for, well, he raided the truth for selling uh, some old uh, videotapes, some preset videotapes. Um, so if you want to take a look at that, uh, I, I would recommend it. It's very interesting. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it follows things that you, you may probably be aware of and things I touched on. Uh, the fact that this happened in 93 rather than the early 80s, I think is telling, you know, um, he says things that, you know, the people who arrest him didn't really know what they were looking for and didn't really understand what he was doing. 
and uh, obviously you know if you get arrested you get smeared so uh, as I said take a look at that and it is an interesting read I've also had an email from uh, somebody else which uh, which is very exciting for me it's um, from I'm not getting an email that's not the thing that's most exciting but uh, I do get emails but uh, from 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 a gentleman uh, called Dale uh, Dale Henningway and uh, let me let me let me just read you a bit of it it says hi Chris um, the video nasties will always be of interest to me because as I told my friend I worked for DRAN Film Services at the time they were released uh, films like Cannibal Don't Look in the Basement Mardi Gras Massacre Deep River Savages and Brutes and Savages amongst others I've forgotten the later I used to see recording on the video duplication bank which was located at the entrance of Staff Canteen those brief glimpses were enough for me and I could never have watched that film though was it, and then we he discusses um, a little bit about uh, about Brutes and Savages and he says I know Derek Simmons who ran D-Ran told a story that the poster was released and showed somewhere being someone being attacked by a crocodile it wasn't actually in the film Arthur Davis the director I believe was told the scene had to be, be in so he shot a sequence in a swimming pool it's the only uh, so he talked a little bit about that um, I mean it's great to speak to him and I could just imagine these kind of horrors uh uh, lasting on tape um, I've, we've had a bit of a conversation about stuff and I'll be talking about um, he meant, emailed me about uh, obviously the animal cruelty elements I couldn't quite imagine seeing bit elements of animal cruelty as you go um, go in for your lunch to kind of put you off I'm guessing but uh, tears for getting in touch Dale uh, and I, I want to continue our correspondences and it's nice to be able to share some information from somebody who you know really was right right at the heart of that kind of stuff at the time and you know putting out films that were um very extreme in truth he also mentions quite, quite interesting um, something about the um, that they used to put obviously these films weren't just out on video and Betamax that they used to put out like shortened versions on 400 foot of uh, Super 8 which were then uh, sent to <laughs> so again mentioned about the Roots and Savages that, um, that they were uh, sent out Super 8 which is fascinating I'd love to see some. you know if, if, if anyone had some of that I'd love to have a look at that that'd be amazing Um. God knows what the stock would be like now after 30 years. Right, so there's lots of great people getting in contact with me, which is wonderful. Uh, if you want to get hold of me, please do uh, email me at videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, uh, videonastiespodcast.com, which got all the articles and the uh, the trailers as they're going along. And there's a, an, a link to an interview that I did about the podcast to uh, with a website called Double Negative if you want to take a look and get a better idea about what I'm trying to do um, or you can get me on Twitter my private Twitter is at orange underscore monkey uh, if, you walk, if you want to do that if you, you know um, it's, it's there for you to take a look at I don't just talk about the films by any stretch of the imagination I talk about all sorts of stuff but you know, you're more than welcome to say hello ok that's it for this week uh, next week we are going to go I think to see Madhouse the 1981 film so until then take care and I'll speak to you soon goodbye I have never seen a video nasty I wouldn't I have far too much how, how can you judge on a video nasty oh, you've never seen one I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.